The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, hence the name. And today I have recurring guest, Chris Kenya Maridi. Chris, how is it going in Dallas? Pretty great. A little cold right now, windy, but I'll, I'll deal with it. Yeah, well, you guys got Nowitzki Way as of today, I think. Uh, officially retiring Dirk into the Rafters here before you Yeah. They want a new favorite street in Dallas now. <laughs> there you go. Next up, um, you know, we just got to get Jerry Jones Way. I'm sure it already exists. Just uh, we'll do that here. But that's a Dallas Cowboys fan in me. I'm not a huge Mass fan, as you know. But do want to talk about some NFL to start it out with here. And I I don't know if you had a chance, but did you watch the Green Bay Packers versus the Kansas City Chiefs? I think it was a, a I think it was a week ago or a Sunday night maybe or so, but it was earlier this week. Did you happen to watch that game a little bit? Yeah, no, I watched the whole game. Okay, it was, uh, it was very interesting. All right, all right. So there's this guy named Matt Moore who I just want to say for anyone listening out there, and as the announcer said on TV a couple times. That man was sitting on his couch about a week and a half ago and had to check with his wife if he could play in the NFL this week. And that was the NFL story that was told. Okay, so Andy Reid schemed up Matt Moore to come play in this Chiefs offense. And with a week's heads up, he uh, looked pretty darn good. I mean, Matt Moore looked pretty darn good. And what I'm getting at here is how maybe we overrate Patrick Mahomes. And I'm going to end it up with here another point. So Alex Smith goes from the Chiefs to the Redskins. And before he unfortunately broke his leg very badly, and I understand he's coming back from that, Alex Smith didn't look like he was good at all with the Redskins. And to be honest, he looked like he was okay with the Niners for a couple of years, but he got benched for Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick's not in the league right now. I can keep going with this. but And that and that's a whole other story, the Kaepernick and the league or not thing. But my, my point here is, is that Maybe we're really overrating Patrick Mahomes. Because if Matt Moore can look as good as he did against the Packers defense, which Packers defense isn't bad at all. Um, they're not they're not any slouch. If he if Matt Moore can carve up that defense with playmakers and you know have uh what have Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and you know insert X player really there for the Chiefs who can help them out, Andy Reid scheming. I'm thinking that at the end of the day, maybe we weren't just we weren't giving Andy Reid enough credit. We're giving Patrick Mahomes way too much. I understand the no look passes and the crazy mobility, all type of stuff. That's awesome. But Matt Moore looked pretty darn good with a week's heads up playing an NFL team. What do you think? Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is actually his second game. He came in oh, that's uh, right. the week that's before. Right. Yeah, he came in the week before when uh, Patrick got hurt, but still, no, like. Very, very true, though. Like, think about it. Beginning of the season, uh, even before the beginning of the season, uh, right before, like, before, like during uh, NFL draft time, he was scouting for the Dolphins. And then he goes to, like, do high school coaching or something. And then I guess the Chiefs called him in, like, three weeks ago or something to come yeah. like, be a backup or something like that. Like, I don't, I don't know the exact timeline of when he became a Chief player. But, yeah, you know, he comes in. Does pretty well. Wins the game two weeks ago. 
Man comes in and barely loses to the Packers the week before, like, or at least uh, or this last week before today. And so, like, I'm not going to – I don't want to be attacked by any Chiefs fans here. <laughs> so <laughs> please do not come at me. And if you do, prepare to lose. Number two, I'm not going to say he's – okay, he is overrated. I will say that. But I'm not going to say it's by that much. Like, don't get me wrong. I think right now that Patrick Mahomes exists, if you put him on almost any other team, he does good. Like, he might not do as great as he does. He might not have these stupid numbers by the seventh game of the season, whatever. But he's, he's going to have some good numbers. But you're right. Like, nobody gives the rest of the team offensively enough credit. Like, they have Tyreek Hill. They have, they have Travis Kelsey. They have Sammy Watkins. I mean, yeah. and then you look at the other players they have are, are speedy as hell and have good hands. And that's all you need. Like, honestly, they don't have great route running. They, they just get past you, and then they're wide open for the catch, touchdown. That's why when a lot of people talk about the Chiefs offense, you don't think about the Chiefs offense methodically uh, taking you down the field seven yards, six yards, five yards. You think about the Chiefs offense getting 25. Nothing happens, nothing happens, 20. Nothing happens, nothing happens, 10 yards, so on and so on. It's big chunk plays, and mm-hmm. that's because of the playmakers they have. Like, they, 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 they're they, great. And so, I mean, Matt Moore, don't get me wrong, uh, probably not a top 20 quarterback, 25, but obviously he deserves to play in the NFL. <laughs> and so, I mean, unless we're saying anybody can just come into the Chiefs organization and just, I mean – Play quarterback McGregor. I mean, I'm I'm available. The Chiefs are, are looking for somebody, and so uh, I think he's good. I mean, I, I'll, I so I think Patrick is great. I just don't think he's as great as everybody puts him at. I think the caliber of players around him, plus the coach that he has, is what elevates him to be that surefire MVP, that top three quarterback, so on and so on. I just think if he was he wasn't part of the Chiefs, or if the Chiefs didn't have Tyreek Hill. We saw, like, without Tyreek Hill, they lost. I mean, they've lost with three. They lost three straight, two straight, then they went and lost against the Packers. So without Tyreek, was, he was kind of struggling. Like he wasn't doing, he wasn't doing as well as he did last year. But he was still doing good enough. And so, I mean, it just I mean, it depends on who's around you. And he's got a great cast around him. He's got a great coach, probably the second best coach in the NFL. And you know, he's taking advantage of it. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, and I guess I want I want to go back and, and um, revise my story a little bit here. I clearly overheard um, the football broadcast wrong because Matt Moore was out of football in 2018, and as you Chris you said is completely correct here. I'm just going to follow up with the whole timeline real quick. He's a Dolphins. Uh, he was a scout for the Dolphins um, this past year. Then he was an assistant coach for high school football team. <coughs> And then he signed with the Chiefs back on August 26th, because um, I just looked it up here just to make sure I was right, um, or correct my story, I should say. And he was assigned after Chad Henney had an injury in August 26th. That's when the whole had to call his wife to see if he could actually, you know, sign and play pro and all type of stuff. And, you know, he, uh, he took over as quarterback after Mahomes injured his knee on a, in the Week 7 game on Thursday Night Football against the Broncos. So that's that's pretty much just catching all up to speed completely here. And he the following week, of course, this last week, he started in place of Mahomes against the Packers. Anyways, so I just wanted to say that 
I guess what I'm really getting at is we just need to give Andy Reid some more love. He's not a great clock management guy. We've seen that in the past, but Emma Holmes did win the MVP last year, rightfully so. It's not like he should have lost it, in my opinion. I'm not saying that, but you got to give Andy Reid some more credit and maybe uh, love on Patrick Mahomes a little bit less when we kind of look around and we go, you know what? He's got some playmakers. He's got some uh, really good offensive schemes helping him out as well there with Andy Reid. So, Anyways, that's my that's my take of the day is Patrick Mahomes is eh, he's good, but he may not be the second coming of I don't insert X, you know, Hall of Fame great all of greatest of all time quarterback. He he we may need to pump the brakes a little bit. We've seen one full season on a guy, it was MVP caliber. Let's wait to write the whole legacy until we see some more here. That's all I'm saying. And it, he was injured a couple games season two. So, you know, and Tyreek Hill being out and stuff like that, he kind of showed. But that's all I'm saying. You know, let's just pump the brakes a little I, bit I, and chill out. I agree. And also, I mean, we've seen it this year that um, he needed that. I mean, last year, especially when we talk about last year compared to this year, he needed that running back. Like, yeah. he needs that running back because – I mean, let's look at this here. He's he's played in every pretty much every game except for last week, and then he came out of uh, he came out of the uh, the Texans game, I guess. And so, not the Texans game, the Broncos game. That's when he got injured, and Matt Moore came in that game, and they still won thirty to six. But then the games before that, <clears throat> the Texans, the Colts, and so those are two losses they've had before that. When Patrick Mahomes was playing, and what the Colts game, they only put up thirteen points. And then the Texans game, they only put up 24. And so, like, a streak started of, like, less than 26 points scored, and they just kept on going. And so, like, I mean, the Colts game, like, what's your excuse there? Like, you're you're there. All your players are there. What's happening? Same for the Texans game. Like, Tyreek's back. Or I guess the Colts game without Tyreek, but still. Texans game, you've got Tyreek. You've got everybody that's on your team that is supposed to be there. It's going to be there for the rest of the season. Full, full starters. You only score 24 points. You lose to the Texans. So, and that's going to be a big thing for the Chiefs this year is you're going to have to score at least 30-something points. Once mm-hmm. it gets to, like, playoff time, you're going to have to score 35, 36, so on and so on, because guess what? Your defense is allowing 30-plus points against good teams. <laughs> it's just, sorry, your defense is trash. And, like, what, they, uh, Tyron Matthew is the only good player, in my opinion, on the Chiefs defense. Everybody else is either supposed to be good and they're not playing to their potential or they are just subpar or trash. Other than that, like they really lost it all. And so like their office is going to have to get back to clicking to where it was last year, where you were scoring 40 points again, where you're scoring 38, 37, so on and so on, because your defense has given up at least 30. And so as we saw, the Packers got 31, Texas got 31 Colts with zero offense, except for T Y Hilton and Marlon Mack got their 19 in and they won the game. And so, Mm-hmm. I love Jacoby Brissett. I really do, but he's not slinging the ball right now. Like he's just he's just managing the game, and yet he still won the game. And so that's just something the Chiefs are gonna have to deal with. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes and uh, Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are gonna be enough this year for him, um, just because they don't have that running back. Like Deshaun McCoy is not who he used to be. They they thought they thought he would be, but I guess he's not. But yeah, the Chiefs are in trouble. They're in trouble. And I would say look for this week for them to lose to the Vikings also. And that's not going to be Matt Moore's fault. Matt Moore's going to do what he needs to do, but that defense is going to give up a lot of points against the Vikings. And so it's about to be a tough tough record for the Chiefs this year. Yeah, I, 
I do expect them to still make the playoffs. Like the the rest of their division is pretty bad when it comes down to it. Just I mean the Chargers, Chargers win every excuse me Chargers lose every single close game unless they play the Bears. And the Bears just got to find a kicker. Sorry, Matt. Um, but that's I mean that that's here neither here nor there. Um, so, Wait, so it's, not, yeah. The Bears game the Bears lost because of a kick. Yeah, yeah, it's because of a kick. Yeah, I just kind of. No, I thought you were the savior. What's going on? Oh, I thought Eddie was it. I thought they finally yeah. found their <laughs> It did not. It did not work out. He missed a forty-one yarder and to to win the game. So the Chargers yes. won a game that they normally would lose. Um, so props I to them. I would as we as we I think we talked about it before. We'd love to see Philip Rivers just in a different uniform. I mean, my my favorite thing about the NBA is that you'll have a guy like, for example, with the Thunder this year, you'll have a guy like Gallinari who will be on the team, put up some quality stats, and then get traded at the deadline because you know what, the Thunder don't really you know aren't looking for a six man coming off the bench that can score the ball for in the playoffs, but another team really is. And I would I would just love to see so badly like. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like right after Andrew Luck decides he's retired, the Colts, you know, trade for um, Philip Rivers. I'm not saying Brissett's bad at all. I'm just saying like, you know, or or when Nick Foles went down, insert X guy. You my boy is at Brissett is exactly where he needs to be. Brissett is good. Brissett is good. Yeah. When we're gonna talk about the Chargers, I don't think that the Chargers are the problem. I mean, the first of all, they got rid of the problem. They got rid of their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, bro. Like, if you look at the Chargers' offense, they should not be scoring just 17 to 20 points a game. Like, they have threats everywhere. Keenan Allen is a top 10 wide receiver. I don't care what anybody says he is. And then you have Mike Williams, who's who's not bad on single coverage. In single coverage, you have like, two great running backs. One that's a pass catcher. One that's an actual running 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 back. And then you have Flip Bill Rivers. Like, you should be getting points on the board all the time against any defense. Not named the 49ers and the Patriots. And so, like, I, I think their offensive coordinator was the big problem. They got rid of him like four days ago, three days. I think it was like the next day, like Monday or Tuesday, which is hilarious to me. Like, you win a game, but you still fire your offensive coordinator because your offensive plays are so horrible. And so, hopefully, like, they found somebody that can call some different plays. I don't know. I, I've never understood getting rid of a coordinator. I mean, I understand it. I don't understand, like, Somebody coming in midseason and just completely changing things. We'll see if that works. Like it has to be somebody that already knows like the Chargers playbook or the head coach is calling the plays now or something. Because you can't just can't come in and just install a new system or just whatever in just five days. But we'll see how that goes. I mean, I like Phil Rivers at the Chargers. I like the players around them. Their defense isn't bad. It's just I don't know what's going on. Like they started out so good and then. Like week three or four or something, they just dipped. Uh, yeah, I mean the the real thing that bugs me with the Chargers is that they like they've always been they've always been pretty good, but but pretty good gets you nowhere in the NFL. You got to be good. You got to be really good or great. And the Chargers have always just been there. You know they've they've been like that team since I can remember with Phil Rivers slinging the ball and trying desperation heaves in the end. You know out of his own end zone. For a hail mary to hopefully win a game, and just, I mean, what the the percentages on that got to be horrible. So that that's all I'm kind of getting at here. You know, it's just like, I mean, let's look. I mean, what the, their first game they beat the Colts, 
Mm-hmm. Great pretty game. great defense. Yeah. Thirty to twenty-four. And then the next few weeks, they don't score over twenty, except for against the Dolphins, which, in my opinion, that doesn't even count. Like ten on the Lions, twenty on the Texans, thirteen on the Broncos. 17 on the Steelers. Like, what are y'all do? I could score 17 points on the Steelers. Like, what? <laughs> before they had Joe Hayden, too. Before they traded like, for Joe Hayden. Like, yeah. And this was before they got Minka. Yep. Like, like, oh, oh my God. Oh, I'm sorry. God. That was, yeah, that was the guy, Minka. Yeah, before Minka. I'm sorry. Yeah. 20 on the Titans. Mm-hmm. Like, bro. It's like, what? What are y'all doing? Like, stop being ass like y'all have the players to do it too like and because that what disappointing about that is their defense is actually playing pretty good like what their defense only let 13 on the lions to i mean 27s on the texans i mean it's a lot but at the same time it's the texans like 20 on the broncos uh 24 by the steelers like these are all games that if your offense does what they need to do you're winning the game so like i don't know what if you do what you did against the Colts, against these other teams, you have one loss. I'm looking at everything right now, and you have one loss. And that's the Texans game, and that's it. Every other game, should have won that they lost, and that's just disappointing as hell. Wow. So I guess the other thing I want to say is, shout out to the Chargers for owning up and going, we know this offense is bad, but even after a win, we're still going to fire the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, he's still going to grow. Like, he needs to go. I mean, <laughs> he does not need here anymore. Still going to fix it. They're still like, hey, I might have won a game, but we shouldn't have won that one. We're going to go ahead and fire him. Um, so that's always good. And then I got to talk about, I got to talk about your Patriots, man. I mean, dude, beating up on Baker Mayfield and that OU quarterback. I like it. It was a that was a fun game to watch. I mean, I know. I know the, you know, I know the Browns had three turnovers in the first quarter. I think on the first three drives, actually. Um, but but still, it was that was a, that was fun to watch. And I gotta say, I'm I'm in one of the fantasy leagues I'm in. I have the Patriots defense, and time and time again, that's the best player I have by far. It's it's been fun watching the Patriots defense this year so far. Um, I am so mad that people take them from me, bro. I, that is it's my life. During fantasy football, there have been two consistencies on my team. Tom Brady is my quarterback and Patriots defense. And then this year, everyone, every league I'm in knew exactly who I wanted. And obviously, <laughs> I took Tom in the first round. There's nothing they can do about that. Yes, people, y'all heard it. I always take Tom in the first round. I don't give a fuck. Listen to what I just said, whatever. But still, I, I, always, and I always take like the defense in the fifth round or so. Like, you know, obviously, you got to get some wide receivers yeah. and running backs in there. But, yeah, bro, like, every league I'm in, somebody snagged the Patriots D in the fourth round or so, thinking I was just going to trade them a shit ton of things just for the defense. Like, I would get some ridiculous trade requests. Just, like, three of my players just for the defense. I'm like, what? Are y'all crazy? No. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, somebody Obviously, wants... Obviously, uh, done. Like, they're, like, averaging, like, 20-something points per fantasy points per game. Like, they're averaging more fantasy points per game than, like, most players. Like, it's crazy. Like, what? But, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm still very realistic onto most of the teams are trash. And when I say trash, I mean, those teams are still beating other teams. It's just, we're, we expect better. And so, that's mm-hmm. what makes me laugh is just like, what? So, we beat the Bills. The Bills have two losses. Um, I'm not going to count the Dolphins. The Dolphins are trash. 
Uh, Browns have obviously beat other teams. Like, so let's, let's yeah. see who the Browns. Like, that's what I mean. The Browns put up, but they put up twenty-eight on the Seahawks. I mean, they put up thirty-something on the Ravens. Let's see who else. I mean, they, yeah, they put up forty on the Ravens. Uh, they put up. That's pretty much it. But yeah, we're about to play the Ravens this week, and everybody's, oh, is this is this Lamar Jackson? Is he gonna beat? Bro, if Lamar Jackson cannot beat the Browns, do not come at me with that bullshit, people. Like what? Like come on, like stop. Bro, he scored twenty five points on the Browns. He's not gonna score twenty five points on us. And if he does, it's gonna be a very lucky day for him. Very lucky day. So one of the so, one of the podcasts I've been listening to quite frequently this year um, that. One of my coworkers at the Padres actually turned me on to is the Ryan Rosillo podcast, and he has on Chris Long, who is an ex-Patriots uh, player, of course, who won a Super Bowl with them after playing for yeah. with the Rams for a bunch of years, and then Chris Long, and weirdly enough, played for the Eagles and won a Super Bowl with them as well. But he came, played for us, and then he left for the Eagles. Yep. And then that that Eagle season, he like gave up his whole check for his whole season check to like some charity, which mm-hmm. I like the guy. I like the guy. So, so the so the one thing I'm getting at here is that he said on a couple of last podcasts of that's you know if anyone wants to go back and listen to it, it's a, any of the Monday episodes of Ryan Russell's podcast with Chris Long, and what what Long talks about is how that Bill Belichick's defense and and this is widely known throughout the NFL. I'm not breaking any news here. Always has guys prepared. That's the one key thing. He'll talk about anecdotes where. You know what? If you can get in the backfield and tackle Le'Veon Bell, that's not what we want to do. We actually want you to tackle him when he after he gains a yard. The reason being of that's how you miss him. You try to you try to go after him in the backfield. That's how he stutter stops, makes you miss. And Belichick has great points like that. And long talks about it on the Rosillo podcast, the whole thing. And all I'm saying here with this is that that makes me understand and know and completely have a full belief that this Patriots defense is going to shut down Lamar Jackson. It's not like the Ravens are undefeated right now. You know, it's not like they're setting new records or anything like that. And I'm not saying the Patriots are either, but being comparing this Patriots defense to the 2000 Ravens defense and rightfully so they're putting up pretty darn good numbers. The Niners defense isn't bad either. I'm not trying to compare those to this season, but the Patriots defense is pretty damn good. It's not like Lamar Jackson's going to, you know, has changed the way football operates and is going to be able to take the Patriots down because he's undefeated and never lost a game or something crazy that, you know, it's not like something the Patriots haven't seen. The Patriots, didn't they play him like last year in the playoffs? Or no, 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 that was the Chargers. But Chargers beat Lamar Jackson last no, year in the playoffs. Me. Excuse me. I that was. I will, I will say this in defense of the Ravens, because I do like the Ravens. Don't get me wrong. Ravens right now have. Very solid defense. Very solid. Added mm-hmm. Earl fucking uh, Earl Thomas. And then they added somebody else. Um, was it Marcus Peters? I think so. I think, yeah. yeah, they traded for somebody, yeah. Yeah, so they got Marcus Peters. They got Earl Thomas. I mean, their defense is solid. I mean, they have, they have great players. So here's just my thing. Like, And don't get me wrong, Lamar Jackson doing wonderful things. It's just Bill's going to do what Bill does. And Right. I think like the best thing about about them is like 
I had somebody ask me, like, okay, I, every time I hear somebody say or talk about the Patriots, it's like Bill hasn't prepared. Bill hasn't prepared. Do these other coaches not have their players prepared? Do these other coaches not have their players ready to go? And the thing is, I've been thinking about it. It's just like you have to come out and play your best football on a weekly basis. And that's just the thing with, with like, we've seen it time and time again to where, like, what, two, two years ago, we had, um, I even forgot who it was, mm-hmm. a running back that came out, got like 200 and something yards, like four touchdowns. And then he was late to practice the next day, got cut. Like, you cannot mess around. Like, <laughs> you have to come out and do what you're told. And doing what you're told might not be 17 tackles, it might be five. But that's but you're on the field to get those five tackles. You have to get those five tackles. And if you do what you what you have to do, you don't have to do over. You're not nobody on the defense except for Gilmore, and sometimes Devin McCourty. And I call him Devin now because he's leading the league in receptions. So nice. I'm talk. You know, but like other than those two guys, nobody else is expected to come out and be the greatest defensive player in like in defensive history. Like even not even not even McCourty. Like Gilmore is expected to you. You go out and you lock one person up, and you lock him up for the whole game, and that's it. No help, no nothing. It's you. Not everybody else. We are a team. You do not have to come out and run a four-five. You don't have to get to the quarterback in less than two seconds. You just have to get there when you're supposed to get there, so that you can cause pressure. He goes to the right instead of throwing it to the wide-open man because uh, he's in pressure. Oh, then there's somebody, another player on the Patriots D that's slower, got there later, but he's there in the exact spot to get that tackle, get the sack, whatever gets the sack. Like, and that's what, that's how they run it. That's how, I mean, I'm happy Jamie Collins is back because Jamie Collins is probably one of the best defensive middle, like the middle linebackers and knowing where everything's at and telling everybody where to be, stuff like that might not be full skill, but he is smart as hell and I'm happy he's back. I've always loved him. Happy he's back from the Browns. Same for Dante Hightower. That's why they'll never be rated. Like if you look at the ESPN ranking or the NFL ranking, they're like they're not ranked high, even though they probably do more for that defense than most other middle linebackers do for their defenses. But it's just because they're intellect, they're smart, like whatever. It's not they're they don't get fifteen tackles a game, twenty, thirty tackles, whatever, like other great linebackers out there in the NFL do, but they get enough and then the makes sure that the rest of the team gets enough. And make sure that everybody covers their man, does their covers their zone, does all this enough to where nobody does anything. But Bill, the Bill is at the forefront of it, forefront of that. He makes sure everybody needs where they need to be. And there's players that <clears throat> I can tell you, Malcolm Butler, before that interception in the Super Bowl, that's not a play he would have made before he got to the Patriots. Mm. But they went through that play probably a hundred times, fifty times, whatever. To where he recognized exactly what these guys were. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And he was there before other players was. And that's just how they do it. And so they're very prepared, number one. Number two, it's that threat of, bro, like, Bill is a great guy. It's very recorded that Bill is a very nice person. But this is in the middle of a football game, in the middle of a season. It's not about being a nice guy. It's about being the head coach and GM of the team. And if you don't do what you're told and you are not prepared, the game every week, 16 games in the regular season, and then three more in the postseason, he will easily cut you with no remorse and move on. <laughs> like it's next man up. And so I think that's how they're prepared is the fact that not only are you like, getting all these instructions, which everybody else on every other NFL team gets, 
it's that also that threat of I better be sharp, I better be ready, because if I'm not, I might not be here next. Most other NFL teams don't work that way. If you don't do your job, be you're good enough, they'll keep you. Because like, who else do they have? Like, they don't do next man up. Patriots will literally go and put some random guy out there that nobody's ever heard of, and he'll go and get hella points or hella interceptions or hella tackles or all these things that on a different team, he wouldn't do that because nobody put him in that position and nobody would teach him enough to make sure that he's ready to go. And so that's another thing I love about Bill Belichick and the defense that he's created, especially this year. But, I mean, it's not like it's new. Like, they're doing better this year than they've done before. But it's always been a good and prepared defense, always been ready to go, and always been a top-scoring defense, in the meaning of they just give up the least amount of points as possible, bend, don't break. But this year, it's just we're breaking them. Like, that's just how it is. And so I'm happy how everything's going. I'm ready to see what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, I uh, I, I know we, we're not – you know, we're not really talking any smack on the Patriots or the ex-Patriots quarterbacks here that are doing good in the league. So, got to talk some good stuff about the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo as well. I mean, uh, you know, to touch on what you said briefly, yes, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, I mean, one thing that's always going to drive me crazy as a Dallas Cowboys fan is, man, we have what seems like all the resources every year. You know, we have the we have like the the facilities. I understand the NFL works under salary cap, so it's not like we can sign somebody for X amount of money over anyone else. But the Dallas Cowboys are an extremely important franchise for the NFL. Have great resources, have all the best, nice facilities, all that type of stuff. And you know, just the fact that we can't win a couple playoff games, you know, in this in this what we're going going to be, you know, past twenty years. Um, when it becomes 2020 here at the end of this year, it is just frustrates me because you, you watch the way the Patriots do stuff. And I mean, props, six Super Bowls in 20 years is amazing, you know, and how many, I, I don't even know how many, um, Super Bowls you guys have been to. So that, that's all I'm saying. And nine Super Bowls. yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying with that. Um, and that's, that's really awesome. But yeah, I want to talk about. I mean, that. I think it's the same thing with the real quick note. So same thing with how, and it's coincidentally the same teams that these ex quarterbacks are, are playing for. It's the same thing mm-hmm. with the Colts. And it's the same thing with the 49ers. They built a great defense with players that are always ready to go go out there. Some of these teams have players that you don't even know. Like they're not all stars. They're going out there doing their Pro Bowlers. They're not going out there, but they're going out there doing Pro Bowl work. Like, but then you have those superstars on those teams also that you know about. We know about Bosa. We know about Richard Sherman mm-hmm. on on the on the <clears throat> on the 49ers. Um, Colts doing the same exact thing. But then when you go on the offensive side of the ball, there's nobody that has an ego. Like there's nobody that T. Y. Hilton is amazing. My opinion, T. Y. Hilton might be a top five wide receiver if we look at what, everything he does and stats and so on. Like number five, like the bottom of the top five. Don't get me wrong. Like or high top six, top seven, whatever. But at the same time, is T.Y. Hilton can go through a whole game with one reception, and you will never hear T.Y. Hilton say a single thing about it. He's there. He's a team player. Like, same for the 49ers. They have all these players that aren't big guys, like big name, big name guys, but they're there to do their job. Like, it's just, I think with some offenses, like, the players might not act that way. Like, so with the Cowboys, like you just said. Mm-hmm. So, Mark Cooper, amazing. But Mark Cooper, easily top five wide receiver in the league, in my opinion. 
And so he might not act like, like that guy that I need this, this, and this. But I think the perception is we have Mari Cooper. <coughs> he has to get these amount of throws, these amount of targets, yada, 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 yada. And then you have all these other guys. So their offense, yes, it does well. Don't get me wrong. But the, you can also see those games where Amari Cooper has those yards, but your team doesn't have that many points. Amari Cooper has those those catches, but your team doesn't have any, any like have those things. And that's like a, I mean, that's got to be a, a team thing, a quarterback wide receivers thing. Just because I mean, there's plays where I've seen Dak, like by watching Cowboys games, I've seen Dak trying to trying to find Amari, trying to throw ball to Amari. But Michael Gallup is wide open uh, last season. Cooper. Two years ago, whatever, Cole Beasley was wide open, so on and so on. Like these other players that you have are wide open, but you're not thinking about them. You're just thinking about, oh, this is the play I gotta get to. I gotta get to Amari. Like the Patriots don't do that. The 49ers don't do that. The Chiefs really, I mean, the, the Colts really don't do that. But like it's it's more of a this is a team. Like whoever is open is getting the ball. Period. If that's if that's the one running back five yards down, he's getting it. He's gonna move the move the chains. Go on and go on. If that's the running back, if that's the wide receiver, the third wide receiver, the fourth wide receiver, so on and so on. And so I think more success is shown when like your team plays like a team and it's not just two guys, three guys, four guys really controlling everything. And so, I mean, I mean, and it's not really you know, everything I'm saying is backed up because I mean, like you just said, pitches have been in the Super Bowl nine years and 19 and nine times in 19 years out of a whole the whole conference, like, and they've won six of those times. Like, what other team in the last 20 years has been in the Super Bowl almost 50% of the time has won the Super Bowl about 40%, 35% of the time? Like, nobody. So, this is, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, what the Steelers had it for a bit, then Ego got in there, and AB got in the way. You had AB, Juju, Ben, and Avion Bell, but those those that those those egos got there. They just destroyed that. So they're split apart. Like I'm trying to think of who else was ready, who was built to beat the Patriots, but nobody really I can think of now. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on, on one hand, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I go, you got to get the ball in the playmakers' hands, and you know what, Amari Cooper's just a better player than Cole Beasley. You know, and Gallup, no. etc. But, 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 but you also, but, but I'm coming back to what you're saying. You know, I mean, you gotta get whoever is whoever's open. You gotta get, you gotta get the, you gotta get the guy who's open. Gotta get the best chance to win the game. Either way, and you're gonna battle that, you know, playmaker thing versus, you know, getting the guy the ball that's, you know, the ball that's open and not worrying about the yards after catch necessarily, especially. Especially when it, some of these games that I watch the Dallas Cowboys games are decided by you know a touchdown or less. So that that's really what I think about as well. No, yeah, no, I understand. I'm not, I'm not saying don't give Amari the ball. Don't get me wrong. All I'm saying is that when he's triple covered and it's a risky throw, and that's where you see these interceptions coming into play. Like you don't have to do that. You can just throw it to the wide open guy. I mean, but also it's the mentality of of going through those checkdowns. Like Tom Brady looks at awful receivers. Before he throws a pass, unless it's a, unless it's like a screen, unless it's a screen like that, obviously that's what I'm doing no matter what. But when it comes to a regular passing play, he's looking at all four guys that are going out, like that are running out in the field. Like most, but then that's what I'm saying is most teams that have that star receiver, there's plays where you're not looking at anyone else no matter what. You're literally throwing it to that person, 
we're like, that doesn't need to happen unless like this is a Hail Mary type of situation. That's all I'm saying. It's just yeah. trusting more of your team, making more your, your offense more of a team thing to where if it's fourth and seven or third and seven, whatever, like, and yeah, this is a play that obviously like it needs to go to Mar or whatever. But guess what? The defense also knows that. And so they're going to cover Mario out their ass. And so you have to be able to trust Gallup. You have to be able to trust uh, who they have this year, um, Randall Cobb. You have to be able to trust all these other players to where you're not just looking at one guy. You're looking at all four, seeing what play is the best for you and making it and not forcing the situation. And then because that's the small things that really hurt, like teams like the Cowboys that are built to go to the Super Bowl or built to, to be great. That's the small, that's the little things that like, it's the little forces and the little interceptions. I mean, the interceptions aren't little, but it's the interceptions that are mid second quarter or mm-hmm. end of the first or early in the third that are really hurting you because guess what? When, just like you said, it comes down to the end of the game and you lost by one touchdown. Well, guess what? If you didn't have two interceptions earlier in the game and you had gone and scored on those drives, you would have won the game. And so, uh, I mean, that's just all I'm saying is just throughout the game, you got to trust everyone on your team. But you, at the same time, you have to have those everyone prepared to where even if it's the smallest guy, if he if he needs to step up, he needs to step up. And he will because he's ready for it. And so, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no, no argument there. You know, I mean, really none. Um, let's talk about the 49ers for a second here. How... How are you feeling about seeing Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, um, and the Niners being undefeated, you know, maybe play against the Patriots in the Super Bowl? I love it. That's, you know, my dream situation here I'm thinking about is somehow the Colts and the Patriots get to the AFC Championship. Tom Brady whoops that ass, obviously. <laughs> and then goes, <laughs> goes and plays still. the 49ers in the Super Bowl because, like, and as much as I'm a fan of Tom Brady, I am also equally a fan of Josh McDaniels. And I am also equally a fan of Bill Belichick. And don't get me wrong, Josh McDaniels is a quarterback genius. And anybody that wants to refute that can find me and we can have words. As guess what? He turned Jimmy Grapple from being Eastern Illinois, born and fucking bred quarterback, to come to the NFL. And yeah, he's not amazing. But guess what? He's getting the job done. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there that are not getting the job done. Right? And so it's about being smart, not making mistakes. They might not have a lot of yards, maybe not the most touchdowns. They have some of the fewest interceptions. I'll tell you that right now. They don't make any bad decisions. And so, like, and I'm just, I mean, I want them to succeed because if they're succeeding, that means that Jared Stidham, when Tom Brady leaves, hopefully he follows the same path and he succeeds also. But he'll be staying in the Patriots, so hopefully he'll be succeeding for the Patriots also. So, I'm a fan. I, mean, I love players that have played for us and have been with us for a good amount of time. And both of them were. Both of them did not leave of their own volition. They're both traded. Like at that point, you have to go. You can't really say no. And so, I'm happy for them. I hope they do good things. And so, I like the 49ers doing work. You know, I want some competition in the Super Bowl. And that defense is looking nice. And that's, I, mean, I want to play a good defense. And we get to the Super Bowl and play a good defense because I don't want anybody to be making excuses when I'm saying some crap about the Patriots or something like that. No, it's easy and stuff like that. So that's that's the one thing I hate hearing is, oh, you got there easily. Oh, it was an easy game. Of course, you, sh- you should have won that. I'm like, oh, 
want to play something good, and the 49ers are looking amazing, looking like an actual team, like full, full compromise, good running backs, good receivers. We'll see how they play tomorrow against the Cardinals. I think they're going to win. We'll see how, by how much. Mm-hmm. So, it's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy, though. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Should be pretty good. Well, let's let's uh, run out here with the football talk and talk about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Um, two, two uh, recently, you know, games here. I want to talk about mainly, I guess. Baylor at home, of course. Baylor's undefeated in the Big Twelve. Really didn't think I'd be saying that seven games in here to this season, especially with Matt Rule taking over and Baylor not looking good at all in the past couple seasons. Um, but now they're undefeated in the Big 12. They're undefeated overall. They're 7-0. What, what do you kind of think of that Oklahoma State homecoming game against Baylor? Um, I just, once again, just just ran out of steam. Like, not fully prepared. Like, I don't know. I think uh, we've, we've been about a lot of talk for the last two years, but not much action. And so, I think because I mean, until this until this week, like nobody really was like Baylor is, is it Baylor is it. So it's the same. I think it's the same thing with the Texas mm-hmm. Tech. But so you look at we look at the Texas Tech game. Texas Tech is middle middle at best, like where they should be, where they are skill wise. Middle of the Big Twelve, highest. Middle to low, mid to mid to mid to worst. That's their range. Is is the middle of Big Twelve to the worst team in the Big Twelve. That's their range. And so, I guess we treated them like like they're horrible. We treated them like they didn't matter. We, we watched them get sixty something and, and ten to to the OU, and we're like, oh, that's easy. Like not ready. Like didn't prepare. Not hyped for it. Not ready. Not treating them like it's it's a valid game. So guess what happens? Texas Tech comes and smashes like offensively. Obviously, we still score, but we lost by 10. So, you go against Baylor. Baylor's a great team. Don't get me wrong. Baylor, in my opinion, skill-wise, with the skilled players they have, um, if everything is done right, at, at max potential, Baylor Baylor has reached their max potential. Like This is where they're at. They're, 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 they're going to be the second or third best team in the Big 12 uh, right now. And that's, they've, reached, they've reached it. But nobody was talking that much great things about Baylor. Like we were like, oh, they're undefeated, but you know, but they barely won this game. They won this game in overtime, so on and so on. But I think they're the second best. They're the second or third best team in the Big Twelve, skill wise, like not record wise, not how they played so far. But if you look at their team, how like how they can play, their max potential, they're number two, number three. And so, but we didn't treat them that way. Like Oklahoma State, there is no extra hype. There was no, this is, like, think about Bedlam. Like, Bedlam all week, all we talk about is Bedlam. All we talk about is beating the shit out of OU, mm-hmm. so on and so on. Nobody was treating Baylor that way. Like, it's homecoming week, for God's sakes. But it's we're treating it like last, last year homecoming and the year before that and so on and so on when we're playing a horrible team. So guess what happens? You come out there, you start, you're hanging in there, you're doing work, trading blows, trading blows, and then Baylor just pulls out, pulls out the water, goes out. And so two losses in a row, you start getting serious. <laughs> At that point, like you're going against a good Iowa State team. We know they're a good team. They're not great, but we know they're a good team. Like, and then we go and barely beat them. And so I think for us, it's it's not about the skills. Like we have, my opinion, 
top five running back, the best wide receiver in the nation, a good enough quarterback to win games. Like, not he's not amazing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, we have an okay defense. This is the Big 12. You don't need a good defense. We've, we've, we just saw oh, you play Texas Tech or, or Tech, uh, Kansas State. You don't need a great defense to win the Big 12. It's all about offense in the Big 12. And we have the offense. We have the players to do that work. But it's preparation. It's the intensity you come in with. It's the excited, it's excitement. They're ready to go. The, every, like the feeling, the emotion. Like football is a very like emotional sport. That's why you see teams that are crap go out there and beat good teams. Like on these weird weeks, you've had three straight weeks of unranked beat top five. Yeah. Like and so, like it's just and so it's a very emotional sport. So if you come out there with no emotion, no intensity, you're not ready to go. You're not hyped. You're not ready to beat the crap out of who's in front of you. You're gonna lose. And so, two straight weeks, we faced two teams that were ready to go, wanted to beat the crap out of who was in front of them, and we weren't there, and we lost. And then we finally go against a team that feels the exact same way, but we feel that same way too, and we can bring that intensity, we bring that hype, and we go and win away at Iowa State, but we couldn't win at home against Baylor, or we couldn't win at Texas Tech. We go win at Iowa State, who's historically been our our hardest away game every season by season by season. And so it's not that we suck. It's just it depends on how, how that week goes. How prepared are we? Like, what are we doing during our week? Are our coaches hyping our players up? Are our coaches getting them ready, putting that intensity in them, putting that rush, that, that sense of urgency? Like the Texas Tech game. Halfway through the game, we were literally walking to – to, to the line, like, <laughs> run, jog, we're losing by, like, 20, like, come on, but no, and so, like, it's, at this point, in my opinion, it's just 100% on the coaching, like, it's not even on the players, like, yeah, Spencer Sanders is going to go out and say we're not losing anymore, that's his job, like, he's, is he supposed to go out there in the media and say, oh, I'm probably going to lose two more games, like, no, he's supposed to come out and reassure the people, like, you're the starting quarterback, and so it's on the coaches. Like, it's 100% on the coaches. And I used to defend Mike Gundy's ass off, but guess what? Now, now it's not even about the play calling. It's about the actual play. And that's his job. That's his part of being a head coach is getting the players ready intensity-wise, preparation-wise, head mentality-wise, to be ready to come out there and beat the crap out of who's in front of you. But that's not where we are. All these games we've lost, we haven't been there. And so that's strictly on Mike Gundy. And that's on him now. Like I've, I'm tired of defending him. I really don't really have no purpose in dealing with him anymore. If he lives this year, if he leaves, he leaves. I really don't care. But I, God, if God really loves us, I wish somehow less miles left. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah, at this point, it's 100% on the coaching because it's not the players. So it's not the skill set. It's literally the amount of preparation we have and we just don't seem prepared against these teams that one was crap, and they came out and beat us. One's a good team. Don't get me wrong, Baylor. Baylor's a good team, but we should have won, I guess, that against Baylor also. We really look skilled. Skill set to skill set, we should have beat Baylor. Skill set to skill set, should have beat Texas Tech. Skill set to skill set, we beat Kansas State. And guess what Kansas State just did? Beat OU. Like, it's, it's about the preparation, and it's about the intensity, and the willingness to go out there and fight your ass off and to win that game. And the one person whose job is to instill that in the players week by week, since we are they are college players, they are kids, they're not they're not getting paid millions of dollars. 
That's their, their, their motivation is supposed to come from the head coach week by week on a daily basis. And obviously there are certain weeks where that does not come. And so you see it on the football field. And so like it's, I mean, like this week against TCU, like that's the thing with us. I don't know what's going to happen. We can go out there and beat TCU by 20. We can go beat them by three. We can go lose by 30. I don't know. And so I'm honestly scared for the Kansas game. Like, they've got less miles on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I Man, I'm scared about the Kansas game, too. Now, after I saw them play Texas the way they did, and it was that close, man, I'm that Kansas game's not going to be an easy one. It's not like – it's just not like it's going to be easy, you know? It could be, but (laughs) it's just – are we going to be prepared to face Kansas like that? Are we going to be ready? Are we going to want to do it? Like – so, I mean, they just beat Tech. <laughs> so, like, it's, oh, man. Like, I love Les Miles, but Kansas Kansas football, the players are not great. Like, they're mid-tier at best. But guess what? Can- Les Miles puts that intensity in them on a daily basis. That's when you see, like, them go out and score 20 on Obama, which they should not have. Go score 48 on Texas which they should not have on paper. Scored 37 and win against Texas Tech, which they shouldn't really do it. Like, they shouldn't. Any other coach, really, I promise you, any other coach that they've had in their their previous history since they were ever created, Charlie Weiss, all these other people, they do not beat Texas Tech. They don't score 48 on Texas. But Les Miles does his job as a head coach with college kids. And gets them intensity and ready to go. Ready to go. Run through a brick wall for your team. And so I'm just really frustrated with our team. I have really big hopes for us this year. And uh, we're not going to reach them at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, kind of sucks to be honest. I. What what do you think about Spencer Sanders at least as being a redshirt freshman quarterback? And I mean, I mean, are, are, it seems like to me at least the expectations are through the roof before he started the season, and and now I've I've lowered my expectations for him as as far as this season at least. Who knows about next year's you know second year starting? But at least for us this season, the guy's throwing interceptions and. Just not being careful with the ball and that type of stuff. I mean, he's showing his immaturity. I mean, he's a freshman quarterback. You know, I said it like, you know, three or 7,000 times on the last podcast I did, too. I, I just, I don't trust him a ton, but he's a, he's a freshman quarterback. I don't know why I expected a ton to start with, really. I mean, yeah, but we expect a lot because he was supposed to come do a lot. Like, there's the same reason that. Uh, we expected a lot from Kyler as for his first time on the college football field. Same for Baker, same for any other quarterback that's come out of college, they're coming out of high school as a four-star, five-star recruit. You're, that's going to happen. A lot is going to be expected of you. Like, I love Corn. Like, I love Taylor. Really good guy. I mean, I would think we're still good friends. Like, I don't even talk to him in a bit. We were good friends in Oklahoma State, but I'm not wrong in saying that he wasn't a great college quarterback. Like he, he did he had his flashes and moments. Don't get me wrong, but when you're coming in that situation, yeah, it sucks. Like, I mean, you, you've had a whole year to prepare, number one. 
So that's really that really shouldn't be an excuse. Like you didn't just come in like first year out of high school. You had a whole season to sit, learn everything, know like understand how you're gonna be coached, all this other stuff, whatever. But at the same time now, mid season, it's not his fault. It's once again the coaching. And the games where he's throwing stupid interceptions, Texas Tech, for instance, those are play calls. Like, like what kind of, like, why would you have a play call with, with Spencer Sanders where you have two, three receivers close to each other, meaning that you have two, three cornerbacks and a safety right next to each other, and then you have him thrown into a tight window? Yeah, it's going to get intercepted. Yeah, it's going to look like, when you watch it in, in full speed, it looks like Spencer just threw it to the other team. And you get mad at Spencer. Then you go look at the play call, and you look at it like objectively and slow motion, if you if you will, sometimes also. I go back and look at replays, and it's just a horrible play call. And so it's not only the expectations from us as, as the fans, but the expectations from our coaches to where they expect this man to do mythical things with these crappy play calls they put out there. Like, you don't you don't have Tom Brady out there. You don't have Patrick Mahomes out there. You don't have, honestly, you don't have Kyler Murray in college out there. You have Spencer Sanders. And so give him play calls that Spencer Sanders will improve with. And then once he gets there, like, once his confidence is at all-time high, then he can make these crazy tight throws, create, like, these things that you expect him to do from the get-go. And so our coaching has really been the biggest problem this year. And... It hurts. Like, it really does. It does. Yeah, and I also go back to the fact that I know Spencer Sanders had the whole redshirt year, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a new offensive coordinator came in, you know, came in at this point. So, for me at least, it's like, all right, you know, it, I, just, I just think the guy is having a lot more learning moments and, Kyle Murray was touted as, like, one of the best quarterbacks coming out of high school, period. And Baker Mayfield was a walk-on, and both those guys had great success. You have you have both levels of it, right? You have a guy who's had an, an immense amount of recruiting, you know, and then a the guy who had almost none. He's a walk-on at Texas Tech, and then he transferred to OU. And then, of course, he did extremely well at OU and props to him for making it to the league. But I, I just... I'm in more of like the wait and see mode, and let's get let's get Tyler and Wallace the ball a couple more times, man. That Iowa State highlight's gonna run in my head for the rest of this year at least of him tossing tossing five dudes to the ground. And that was the thing, and that's that's one thing I preached the Texas Tech game. Oh, I was oh, bro. If you were anybody who's in this room with me, I'm sitting in our media room right now. I I had to stop myself from causing holes in my wall. Because it's technically not my house. It's just my mom's house. <laughs> and I'm not going to be paying for that damage. <laughs> like, I just, I was so mad. And I just kept on screaming, throw the ball to Tylen. Because, like, he hadn't had the ball for, like, a whole quarter. Like, so, like, ah, bro. All I'm saying is, if you take Spencer Sanders from the beginning of the season, this season, after sitting down a whole season last year, and you put him on OU, or you put him on, on a, well, Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Pinsbury run offense, by Cliff Kingsbury, or right now, like, oh, man, or Chip Kelly, bro. Give Chip Kelly to him. That's what, if, if we can get, like, a Chip Kelly as offensive coordinator who's got the schemes, beautiful, who doesn't put his quarterback in horrible situations, Mike Leach, like, these are all people that their offenses are great, 
this this their defense that sucks, like UCLA and Washington State, but their offense have subpar quarterbacks who don't like. I will put my money down. Spencer Sanders is a better quarterback than whoever Washington State has. I will put all my money down though. Spencer Sanders is a better quarterback than who UCLA does. But those are teams that if you put them against everybody we've faced this this year, you put them against Tulsa, you put them against Texas, you put them against what Texas Tech. They're not. We're not just scoring thirty five points on Texas Tech. We're not just scoring twenty seven points on Baylor's defense. We're not just like scoring thirty four on Iowa State, which is a good number. Don't get me wrong, but still, we could do so much better. And so, and that's gonna be a thing, which especially when you're a Big Twelve team. You can't beat these teams by 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 four points, and that's why OU is always highly ranked. That's why at the end of the season, once they win the Big Twelve championship, OU always has a good chance of getting the playoff because they're not just beating these other teams by four points. Like we are probably season by season the closest game they have, unless they kill us because it's big, it's bedlam. Our whole team is hot, is is hype, is pumped up, is ready to go. We always go out most of the time, at least while I've been in college. And since even after I left, there's been like two two games in that whole six year seven year span that we've gotten blown out. But every other time, it's by one touchdown, by ten points or less. And so all the other games OU plays, except for this season against Kansas State, they're killing people. Beat Tech by by fifty. Beat Kansas by twenty something. Beat like and so like Texas was a good team, but you no know, one by technically they won by two touchdowns. They gave up a touchdown at the end, which really meant nothing, but at the same time. And so, and that's something that they look into. Was, did the touchdown mean anything? No. So they really count. When you look at the, when the playoff committee looks at it, they're going to look at it as Texas lost by two touchdowns, even though they only lost by seven. And so, so to be that next level team, we can't beat, like, Iowa State by three points, by five points, six points, whatever. We have to be that. We always have to come out of new offensive war. And then our defense has to limit them to a certain amount of points, 20, 25, 30. We have to go out and score 50 something. And so that's really the biggest thing that's like stopping us from being that next level team. And then um, the flip side of that coin is then we go out and lose games to, to these teams that we should be beating because we're not ready. We're not prepared all week. Been lounging around, you know, macking on girls. Like, <laughs> think Jalen Hurts gives a gives a crap who what females around him from Monday to Friday. No, he'll go out and have his fun Saturday night or Sunday, whatever. But Monday through Friday, Jalen Hurts is fully on football, one hundred percent, getting his schoolwork in and back on football. And so, yeah. So I just honestly, and it's it's been the culture like that since after Weedon left. It's just always been that way. And I just think that season we had. What we had Whedon and we had Des Bryant, and I think that Justin Blackman was there. Mm-hmm. So that just could not deny like that skill set and that amount amount of talent that we had that that year. That's why we were top what number three. But yeah. every every season we've we've had the players to be that up there. We've had the player, we just don't have the execution. Like we we have the players that are good enough to do it. That year we had players that. Could not be denied. We had we were gonna be there no matter what, and then we stupid lost to Iowa State. But and so it's just the coaching, and at this point, like I, I'm ready for my gunny to be gone. Like I need something new. Is if this is gonna be what's going on every year, then what's the point? 
what's the point of, of, of paying hundreds of dollars? Like, I love Oklahoma State. Don't get me wrong. Like, best decision I made. Like, I, I, there's so many other schools I apply to, but I'm so happy I went to Oklahoma State. I met lifelong friends. I met you there. I met all these people there. I love it. But, like, what's the point of going and paying $300 for a football, football game ticket if I know that, what are we going to do this year? We're going to beat the shitty, shitty team. We're going to play okay against the average teams. And then we're going to play really good against the good teams, lose the game. And then we're going to end up having a three to four loss season. And Mike Gundy's going to keep that, that 10, 10 win season record that he has. And nothing's going to happen. We move on to the next season over and over and over and over. And it's not like we're a shitty football team. Like we're not Memphis. <laughs> like yeah. Memphis expect like Memphis it will never expect to win at the championship. That will never be a possibility in their future. But that could happen for us. It almost has. Like and so like this is really disappointing. Yeah, I I, um, I do want to say this though on the on the Mike Gundy and listen I. Maybe I'll be the biggest Mike Gundy supporter and it'll be the hill I'll die on or, or whatever, but I'm less miles as the head coach. And I, I know some of us are looking back on that fondly now of, oh my gosh, you know, we're knocking off OU and that type of stuff. But Mike Gundy's just brought so much success to the program. I question his – I question – I don't necessarily question the – the recruits he's brought in, or the players, and yeah, you know, get them up for games, all type of stuff. I, I think that's, uh, you know, so it comes from within. What I what I question really here, and I understand their kids and that type of stuff, but what I really question is the offensive coordinators that are brought in. I mean, the 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 thing that gets me the most is that all right, we brought in your sitch, and oh, he he left for Ohio State, and whatever. Well, yeah, he's a co-offensive like quarterbacks coach at Ohio State. I mean. Granted, Ohio State's doing incredibly good this year, but he's not their offense. He didn't move from Oklahoma State to as a promotion to be an offensive coordinator there. And, you know, we bring in Gleason this year, and a guy comes from nowhere again, and, you know, is supposedly, you know, so good, all type of stuff as well. And you know what? If he can recruit, that's awesome. And maybe he can get us that one recruit that's going to change the world. But what really helped out was the best years we've had was with Two amazing wide receiver recruits with Casey Dunn, and believe it or not, a ex Yankee, you know, farm system player and Brandon Whedon, who well know the story really well now, you know, came back to play college football for a couple of years, and now I think is serving as a part-time analyst, you know, for you know sports networks and stuff like that. Granted, he was a little bit older, going to the NFL and stuff, but. You know, played for the Browns and the Dallas Cowboys and the Texans and whoever else as well. And the, the point I'm getting at here is that I don't, I, I don't dislike Gundy. I like him a lot. I just really, at this point, am questioning the offensive coaching hires. And to be honest, I, I don't know about Jim Knowles either. I mean, the the jury's still out on him. The jury's still out on Sean Gleason. It's first year. I'm fully aware of that. But. There, there's, there, there's something in me that goes, man. What? Why can we not promote Casey Dunn to be the offense coordinator? You know, I mean, it's, it's not like he, you know, he'd be offense coordinator for a couple years and leave. His daughter's at OSU, and I just, I'm curious about, you know, when, when Gleason was brought in, why wasn't there just let's promote Casey Dunn instead? 
And that's that's the thing that's sticking with me right now, at least as a fan of the program and everything like that, is that Dunn's brought in really good wide receivers. Wallace, Washington, Bryant, and, you know, when he was at OSU, Blackman. And so I, I, I'm just I'm curious about that. I'm curious about, like, you know, what in the world of... <laughs> Yeah, what in the he world just might is going on with Dunn? Might just be a really great recruiter. Just not, like, I don't know. Just because he's been there for a while doesn't mean, like, he's, like, a great, I mean, play caller. <clears throat> I mean, there's coaches that, in all sports, that will be at their position for the rest of their whole career and will never advance. Like, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand, don't get me wrong, I understand that because I've always had a problem with our offensive coordinators. I had a problem with Yersich. I mean, I mean, I know it's his first year, so I'm not going to really trash on Gleason, but at the same time, though, it's just, we got to look at the consistency and all that. And yeah, we've had some great seasons, but we've, those seasons could have been better. Like, every 10-win season that Mike, like Mike has, there's like a few that 10 wins was the most we could get, and I'm happy about that, but there's a few that we could have, we should have got 12. Like, but we lost two games we shouldn't have. Like, we could have had this, this, and this, but we've lost some games that we should not have lost. And that's and you look back at it, and really, like, other than the OU games, because we always bring that 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 energy to OU no matter mm-hmm. what like what players are. Yeah. Other than that, for those other losses we've had or losses we shouldn't like. Think about like, and that's where that's where my thing comes in with offensive coordinators. Where I've had a problem with them, but I'm also like, I guess when I look back at it, I'm not gonna look back now and, and really blame them. Like and that's why I'm really looking at Mike Gundy is because think about the the years that um, we beat. This was like like a few years ago. We beat Baylor when they were like top ten. We beat TCU when they were top ten. We beat these teams that were top top seven teams in the nation. Mm-hmm. Like, and guess because we went, up, went, we went and scored 40-something on them, and our defense did work and held them to, like, 10 points or 20, whatever. But because, and for me, like, I bring it back, like, we brought that energy. We, we brought that sense of urgency. We brought this, this, and this, and this. But then that same season, we go out and we lose to an Iowa State. Like, we just beat... The sixth ranked nation, the sixth sixth ranked team in the nation, in TCU, with Boykin and like all this offensive power and all this defensive work, whatever they they, they come in touted as, we beat them. We beat them in snow, like we like we beat them, like and then the next week we go out and we lose to some crap. And so I just the inconsistencies, that's like inconsistencies to like because the play calling is the same, like. Yeah, there's gonna be like ten plays that I like. I there's ten plays I can remember in the OU game uh, two years ago with Mike Pierce that I was just like, bro, you don't deserve this job. Like I, I could fire you right now if I could. And this is off ten plays because they were just crucial plays that we needed to win that game, and we end up losing by like seven or four or ten or whatever. But they were full on year round inconsistencies to where we're beating these great teams. And then we go out and we lose to just complete garbage. I just, uh, I just can't unwrap my head around it. <laughs> so, like at this point, like I've given every excuse on the table. Trust me, like you can ask Braden. Like I have 
really did. I have done my defending of Mike Gundy before this year. I was at some point I was I was sounding stupid defending him. Just it's like I don't care. I was literally telling people I don't care. Like it's not him. Like it's offensive coordinator. It's our players. It's, it's all this, this, and this. But now I just got. I have nothing left to say. Like I have nothing left to to defend, defend him with because I'm like. What else can I attack? Like I've already attacked yeah. every aspect of it, and the thing. But then, like you look at it, and it's just like it's not like like if our players are trash, then we'd be trash all the time. If if our play calling was trash, then our play calling would be trash all the time. Maybe I was just complacent like, with being mediocre. Maybe that's because because at the end of the day, like I remember watching the games with my dad growing up and. As anyone who knows me, I've been an Oklahoma State fan since we moved back to Oklahoma in 2000 when I was like seven or or five or six or whatever it was. Um, and 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 I've loved Oklahoma State football ever since. And really, I just I love the idea of this being a 10 win team and us going to the bowl game still every year. So maybe I just need to raise my expectation level. So you know, talking with you and stuff like that of raise. Raise what I expect out of Oklahoma State football. Raise what I expect out of, you know, Mike Gundy and everyone else too, because we've we've been at a certain level for enough amount of time, and we should be getting better. We should keep growing every single year. Should become stagnant, and, and I, I agree with you on that one for sure. I, I we gotta keep getting better. I would definitely be nervous, as I think you would too, if you know if. Um, you know, Gundy is let go or he leaves or whatever, you know, is the next night going to be better? And that's just a world of uncertainty you live in. You deal with and move on, right? So, I don't know. It's yeah. it, it's kind of tough there. Yeah, we'll see how things work out. I mean, I doubt he's going anywhere anytime soon. So, every, every, time there, every other year, there's a rumor and he stays just because Oklahoma State loves him. And so... And it's just, and that's the thing, though. In my opinion, the only thing that needs to change is, and I'm not saying adopt a Bill Belichick thing, not to, not to try to bring it back to the Patriots, but just like adopt like a Nick Saban thing, or unless to word like you are always preparing for your opponent the same week by week, like you are, like let's think about it. Like Alabama doesn't treat anybody differently. Like Alabama doesn't treat the D two team they play differently than. LSU, they run the same exact practices every week. They have the same exact intensity, the same exact preparation. Like they're prepared to come and stomp you, put their foot up your ass Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. And so I think that's one thing that when you look at our players come out against Texas Tech, ain't nobody nobody was ready to put a, a foot up Texas Tech's ass. Like our team did not enter the field until like mid third quarter. Like I physically, like in my opinion, like we probably would have done the same amount of work if we just put nobody out there. Like and so, like I, yeah. And so I think it's just the preparation. Like I think that this year our play calling is good enough to where we could do something. I mean, there's obviously some bad play calls that have been called, but like that's you're gonna say that about about almost every team out there. Like there's our defense isn't great, but it's not like it's horrible. Like. And so I just think that we've come out against some of these teams and have physically not been ready to go against them. and not been ready. Like, 
coming out there treating Texas Tech like they're peewee players. They're not. They are still a D1 football team. They might be horrible, but they're still a D1 football team. And guess what? They, they came out and scored 45 points, a third-string quarterback, destroyed our defense. And so, yeah, their wide receiver is 6'6". Who gives a crap? It's not like it's not like his six sixness is doing this much against every other team that we're going against. Like they have their fair share of losses too, and so like so ah man. So yeah, I think some of the games we lost, and when I say some, I mean every game we've lost this with this year, we would have won. Except for, I mean the Texas game, we played well. This is that's the one game I'll say this year that it was play calling over. Like intensity slash not being prepared because we were ready from the get go, and so that one was play calling. But Baylor and Texas Tech, that was just straight, just not being ready, giving up. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of. So, you know what? You know, there, how it is. Please, but hey, let's be OU. I'll be happy. There we go, and <laughs> and uh. <laughs> Let's be excited about that Iowa State game. You know, at the end of the day, like, that was a good defensive win. You know, and um, now it looks like a bowl game is definitely possible. Before the Iowa State game, I was kind of on the fence, to be honest, of, you know, four and three, lost previous two, and then going to Ames. But, hey, you know what? Win that one, and suddenly the whole world seems a little bit, you know, a little bit greener. But, hey, Chris, it's. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're still what? If we look at the complete rankings, we're still like the 33rd best team in the nation. Which, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we're complaining about being a top 35 team. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we, we need to be higher. Like, we have the ability to be higher. But, hey, we'll we'll definitely we're gonna win out except for OU. And then we'll end up in some bowl game that uh, we'll be excited to go to. I'm not going to. I mean, we could beat OU. That's the thing. Like, and we we have a win over a team that's ranked like Kansas State right now. Like, they beat OU. I mean, we could easily beat OU if we the cards are played right and we come out on top. It's at it's at Oklahoma State this year, and so it's just not screwing up the other games. Out like not screwing up Kansas, <laughs> not screwing up TCU, not screwing up. Um, West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia. And so we'll see how everything goes. Yeah. Should be a good one the rest of the year. But, Chris, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast, man. Always good talking to you and catching up on everything. And um, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up here in the CGA Tour. Please follow at the CGA Tour on Instagram and Twitter for all of the podcast updates, news, and notes. See what I'm doing and see what the next podcast will be about. Chris, talk to you next oh, yeah. time. Oh, uh, KM for Life, K M Y A N, the number four, L Y F E on also the platform. And then um, hopefully, catch uh, me and Calvin in a few days talk about basketball because we didn't get to that. <laughs> yeah, so a little long on the NFL and uh, a little long on college football, but. You know what? Next one here, uh, maybe same time next week, we'll go ahead and catch up about the NBA season and supposedly what you know what the ramifications are of this Carl Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid fight. But I'll leave that as a cliffhanger here as we end this one out. Chris, thanks so much for joining, and we'll catch y'all soon. All right, see you.